Welcome to Value Driven Life. I am your host, Coach Chris McMahon, and I am excited to dive in today's mini episode. All right. So what we're going to be talking about today is something that I see come up pretty often, and it's the concept of starvation mode. Now, for those of you who don't know what starvation mode is, it's basically the idea that if you stop eating or reduce calories too low, your body will do everything to preserve energy and prevent you from losing weight. I think the first time I heard of starvation mode, I was reading a book and I can't remember the name of it. Um, and it was particularly talking about anti-diet culture, not believing in diets um, because all they do is cause harm. All they do is ruin someone if they are trying to lose weight and in it they talked about this concept of starvation mode so in an effort to kind of myth bust this i i wanted to talk a little bit more about it because it's more nuanced than that um because oftentimes the reason why this is hard is because starvation mode actually is a real thing like it is truly a real thing However, it only exists in extreme cases of malnourishment. Like I'm talking very extreme, such as someone who's dealing with an eating disorder or actually starving, like truly starving. And one of the most famous examples would be the Minnesota starvation experiment. For those of you who don't know what this is, it's during World War II, 36 conscientious objectors participated in a study of human starvation at the University of Minnesota. They divided the experiment into three phases. Okay, so phase one was a 12-week baseline control phase. Each participant consumed roughly 3,200 calories a day to bring them closer to their ideal weight. Also, they were doing uh, physical activity while doing this, right? So they were they were still moving their body, and they were still keeping everything the same, basically. Phase two was a 24-week semi-starvation phase which adjusted the participants' calories to about 15, a little more than 1,500 calories a day. It was uh, 1,560 calories a day. So this cut the calories in half, right? And this caused them, by the end of it, to lose about 25% of their pre-starvation body weight. 25%. That is a lot. Now, they cut calories, and they also still continued to do physical activity. Right? They were still moving around and stuff. So it's not like they cut calories and they were just laying around. They were still going about their life within this controlled scenario. Phase 3A was a 12-week restricted rehabilitation period. So that basically meant the participants were divided into four groups of eight men. Each group received a strictly controlled rehabilitation diet consisting of one of four different caloric energy levels. So it was really, really controlled during this period of time. And then the final part of this phase was 3B, and it was an eight-week unrestricted rehabilitation period. So calorie intake was not controlled. They could eat as much as they wanted, but it was carefully recorded and monitored. So throughout this experiment, many of the participants experienced anemia, fatigue, apathy, extreme weakness, irritability, neurolog neurological defects, and lower extremity edemia. Okay? And in these people who were participating, these men who were participating, you can go look it up on the Google machine. You can see some 
pretty horrifying photos uh, because they show basically before and after photos. Um, starvation mode did not happen until the men reached extreme levels of leanness. I'm talking around 5% body fat. And the only reason it happened is because if they lost any more weight, they would have died. They would have died. If you ever see anyone who is starving, that is the person who is in starvation mode. That's where the name comes from. And I truly hope if you are listening to this right now, you are not in starvation mode. I really, really hope that is not what is happening right now. And if it is, I hope there is someone that you can talk to, a professional that you can work with, so that you can see that this is actually, it really is a thing. But it will not happen if you skip a meal, if you decide to fast, if you randomly one day lower your calories too much, right? It, it, while trying to lose weight, these are things that people do, but it doesn't necessarily make someone enter starvation mode. It took them cutting their calories in half, sticking in that calorie deficit, exercising continuously for 24 weeks straight, and then they had a rehabilitation period, right? There's all of this that, that we're not understanding. And look, to, for those who aren't listening to me, if you were to look at the pictures that I told you about from the Minnesota experiment, you'll notice that not one of them were overweight. They were in starvation mode and none of them were overweight. It doesn't make sense to tell someone they're having difficulty losing weight due to starvation mode, especially because starvation mode is real and it's preying upon someone's fear, right? It, it, it's an easy way for someone to make themselves sound like they know what they're talking about, right? If I say something's a mode, if I say it's your hormones, if I say there's some dysregulation within your thyroid, and I'm not a doctor specializing in any of those things, like a true doctor, one who that's what their degrees in, that's what they're studying, they're up to date on the research, then it makes absolutely no sense. There are several people on social media who actually do specialize in that, and they're constantly myth busting and talking about things like this, right? Uh, Dr. Spencer Nadalski is someone who pops up off the top of my head. He is someone who you should follow because he literally specializes in this sort of thing, in obesity. And oh, he's an obesity and lipid specialist, right? This is something that's that's really important to understand here. The other concept is you won't hold on to fat from eating too little. And I can be honest in saying that I have been guilty for saying this in the past when I did not know any better, right? But I've I'm always learning more and educating myself. And the more research I've done, the more the more studies I've read, like I, I, it's just not there. You can't hold on to fat from eating too little, right? And it, it just doesn't work that way, right? They have those studies where 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 <laughs> where folks eat nothing but Twinkies and drink Diet Coke, right? There was one experiment where this was done, and the guy lost a dramatic amount of weight eating things that necessarily are deemed unhealthy. Right. They've done other studies where someone uh, they focused strictly on a carbohydrate intake. And uh, I believe it was rice and they ate large amounts of carbohydrate, like large amount of carbohydrates, and they still lost weight. So you won't hold on to fat from eating too little. Right. It's this idea is someone needs to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight. You need to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight. Yes, of course, there are other factors at play here, like your 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 social environment, your socioeconomical environment, your stressors of your life. But 
the end all or be all, the truth of it, if we're going to remove all of those things, a calorie deficit is what drives someone to lose weight. And if we are able to actually look at what's going on within someone's life, we can understand that even if we do health promoting behaviors and we focus on eating X or Y, you're entering a calorie deficit because you're consuming less highly processed things sometimes. Like that's what it is. And if someone says they are in a calorie deficit and they aren't losing weight, usually it's not their hormones. It's not because they're not eating a specific diet that they're designed to eat. It's not, it's not any of those things that are really easy to prey upon people for, right? It, it, it's literally because they're just not in a calorie deficit and they're unaware that they're not in a calorie deficit. So look, here, here is what it is. If someone can more accurately track their intake, if they're okay with tracking, right? But it's truly, if someone wants to lose weight, one of the best things they can do is just be aware of how much they are eating. And to do that requires you to track at times and it's okay you can build up to that. It doesn't mean you necessarily have to jump right into zoning in on your macros, you know, because that, that doesn't work. It doesn't work for everyone, especially that is an advanced skill, but someone writing down everything they're eating and being truthful about that, someone learning how to put it into something like my fitness pal and seeing where everything falls in there. Maybe someone's using hand portion sizes to be able to be aware and they're trying to hit in a specific range, right? There are all these different levels to it. So we can't just say that everyone has to track a specific way. It's just being able to track in and of itself gives you a better chance at actually being in a truthful deficit. And you're human. And it's not crazy to think that someone might underreport how many calories they're eating. In fact, according to a controlled study, they found that even registered dietitians underreport their daily calorie intake by roughly plus or minus 223 calories per day. This is someone, these were people whose professional job is to help someone be able to track their calories and manipulate things in a way to help them be in a healthy weight range. And they still underreported, right? So, so we have to understand that it is more nuanced than that. So I'm going to give you several reasons why someone has a hard time tracking their calories. Number one, they're new to tracking and it's common to make mistakes like not accounting for liquid calories, like soda, like beer, alcohol, like uh, sweetened teas, right? These are all things that they have calories in them, uh, not accounting for fats, right? Cooking with olive oil, cooking with butter, cook, eating excess avocado, right? like Weight Watchers likes to say that avocado is a zero point food. I know they work on a point system, but in actuality, while yes, it's a healthy fat. Yes, it's great for your brain. Yes, it's, it's wonderful. Yes, it's loaded with fiber. We also have to understand it is calorically dense and it's really easy to overconsume because it is a fat and it's highly palatable. And because of that, if someone thinks that it's a zero point food and they can eat as much as they want, then we have to move to down all the spectrum of how avocado might be prepared, it's really easy to overconsume. So we have to understand like, no, it, it does matter. Technically, if we are looking to lose weight, being aware of how much we're having can be helpful. Also the idea of additional sauces and condiments, right? But, but this is typical and it, it isn't hard to make an adjustment uh, to see a change, right? It's not, it's just, we tweak here, you tweak there, we don't avoid these foods. We don't say you can never have them. It's just being aware of how much you are having of them. Number two is the deficit is too aggressive. So someone can adhere to that calorie deficit. 
It's like when people go on like a 1300 calorie a day deficit and they're not losing weight, the reality of it is, is they're not in a 1300 calorie deficit because they're usually overly restricting. And this sometimes leads to binge eating, right? It, it can. It leads to some sort of disordered practicing where we skip meals because they really want something later um, or they eat less at a meal than they probably should so they can save room for, for cake and dessert and all of these things that are highly palatable. They're not bad. They're just easy to overconsume. So someone has to sometimes eat in shame or, or hide what they're actually doing. And that's why they're underreporting. And it makes it harder for them to adhere to the plan. The third reason is, listen to number two again, the deficit is too aggressive. So when someone attempts to adhere to an extreme caloric deficit, the likelihood of maintaining that deficit is very small. So anyone you know who follows a new trendy diet might lose weight and then they gain it back. It's not that the diet didn't work because it did. The person lost weight. But aggressive deficits don't lead to great adherence and it doesn't teach you how to actually emotionally regulate. Now, I bring this term up because diets do work. A diet is designed to get someone to lose weight. Trendy diets usually are aggressive. They usually eliminate or demonize specific foods. They usually divide things into bad or good or all or nothing thinking, which leads to disordered behaviors, right? It literally, that's, that's what it is. However, that's not to say someone can't change their nutritional plan or follow a diet if they're actually using sound nutritional practices. Nutrition is a science diet. A diet is not science, right? Sometimes we have to guess and see what works, right? Even when we figure out our calorie deficit, that is just an estimate and it needs to be adjusted sometimes, right? It does, it just, it needs to be adjusted sometimes. And I say emotional regulation because usually when we are overly uh, restricting, when we are, limiting what we can actually have, it, it is usually caused because we're trying to have that all or nothing. We're trying to exude some form of control, some form of perfectionism to be able to get it right. You know, it, it, I've had clients who come into a session or a, a coaching call or uh, an email correspondence we're having back and forth and they tell me that they slightly, um, they might've missed their walk or their, or their training session or they, you know, they try, they, they're working on balancing their plate and they had a really hard time with it. And sometimes they feel like they're failing, but the reality of it is, is all you're doing is practicing. All you're doing is practicing. You're not failing. You're not, this isn't a pass fail thing. It's developing self-compassion and understanding that you're going to make mistakes. And that allows you to actually learn like a lot. It lets you learn a lot. So this is really important. And I just want you to understand that. So if someone is claiming that like some, they did something like a reverse diet, right? Reverse diet is slowly adding calories back in after you've been in an extreme deficit for a longer period of time. And that took them out of starvation mode. They are wrong. They are wrong, right? So again, we go back to the 1300 calorie a day deficit example, it usually leads to snacking or in some cases binging, like I mentioned. So if I were to add, let's say five to 600 calories back into someone's diet and they start losing weight, it's not because we did some magical thing. It's just they're actually adhering. They, they now see this number and they have an easier time adhering. They, they can now report the things that they want to eat when they're eating it, things like that. And they have an easier time sticking to the plan. So 
if you didn't listen to any of this and you just want to summarize it, you can put this part in your ear. When you eat enough, it becomes easier not to need to snack throughout the day. And mindless snacking is a different topic. And I have another podcast episode that talks about that. I'll link to it in the show notes. But what should you do? Like, what should you do? Like, if this is your goal, if you want to lose weight, there, there are costs and we have to understand it. And a lot of it has to do with setting realistic expectations and getting away from excessive expectations that we might be setting for ourselves. So like if we look at easy to hard, like if we put things on a scale, easy weight loss would be like a half pound to one pound per week. Medium would be about one to two pounds per week and hard would be two to three pounds per week. The two to three pounds per week is what someone usually comes in and says they want to do. I want to lose this amount of weight rapid because it's attractive. It, it, we sometimes think it's going to fix everything if we just get to look this way or do this specific thing. So the reality of it is to be at like that hard level of two to three pounds per week, that requires about 95 to 100% adherence to your plan. And the more adherent you are, the quicker you lose weight and see progress, but that's not realistic for someone to be able to actually adhere. Adherence is the most important thing. I'd rather see someone go for the low hanging fruit and have consistency and lay a foundation of skills than, than break themselves by trying to do the really, really hard thing that leads them to go on and back off and on and off, right? We don't want to do that. So you can make really small changes, lose half a pound a week and be consistent without extreme lifestyle modifications. And it's just one is more sustainable than the other. So if you're attempting to lose weight, doing drastic things, seem attractive because you think it will work faster. But we need to lay that proper foundation. So I'm going to end with a few tips that can help you help you build some more realistic ways to go about this weight loss that you might have or want to work towards. Give yourself more time than you think you'll need to lose the weight. Give yourself more time than you think you'll need to lose the weight. If someone promises you quick and drastic results in a short amount of time, you will have difficulty adhering to or maintaining weight loss. You'll have a hard time adhering to it. And even if you do adhere to it, you'll have a harder time maintaining that weight loss. Let's look at something like Nutrisystem, right? That's a, that's a, I, I don't even know if they're still a company, but um, I once had a professor in college and he went on Nutrisystem. And his goal was to lose 40 pounds by his 40th birthday. He lost 45 pounds. And as soon as he went off Nutrisystem, which basically they deliver you your meals, you're having like a tiny thing of soup, a little piece of bread, and that's your lunch. It's maybe like 200 calories, right? You're, you're basically in a drastic caloric deficit. Of course, you're going to lose weight very quickly. As soon as he went back to eating the way he was eating before, he gained, I think, about 55 pounds, right? So... We just have to understand you may lose the weight, but maintaining that weight loss becomes incredibly challenging. The next one, if your weight loss goal is on the higher end of things, start by aiming to lose the first 20 pounds. Just start by aiming to lose the first 20 pounds. One of the ways you can figure out uh, your calorie deficit that you need to be in for your weight loss is your goal weight times 12. That will give you a rough estimate. If you're not using an online calculator, like something from the like the Precision Nutrition Weight Loss Calculator, you want to start 
let's say the goal is 100 pounds and you multiply that times 12, that's a pretty drastic calorie deficit. It might be hard for you to stick with. But if you go 20 pounds, right, that 20 pound mark, your deficit will be more manageable and you'll be able to learn along the way. You're more likely to adhere to it and you lose that first 20 and then you can adjust it down. You can adjust, you can always have wiggle room. I'd rather see someone start small and be consistent than start great and then have a really hard time maintaining it. That's just my opinion. Other people, if they have a dramatic amount of weight to lose, their coach might have them do a drastic deficit. Again, it depends on where you are in your journey. The next one is don't demonize specific foods. Right? This is a danger of diet mentality. Don't demonize specific foods. Understand that tracking your calories or watching what you're eating, as in like being just aware of what you're eating, makes it easier to enter a deficit without eliminating everything. Right? You eliminate everything if you demonize specific foods, and we want to get away from that. The next one is focus on adding things into your life. Adding things into your life, such as daily walks, drinking more water, getting more sleep, eating more protein and fruits and vegetables and strength training. Addition is always going to be more manageable than subtraction. Dieting is a game of addition. It's not a game of subtraction. If we focus on consistently subtracting, then what are we left with? Absolutely nothing. The next one is the best way to lose weight is to make sure you can adhere to whatever plan you're following without destroying everything you find joyful. And my final advice is calorie deficits are the not so secret secret to weight loss. Now, if you have any questions about anything I said, you can always reach out to me on my website there's a specific area that you can click and it says get in touch. If you email me, I will get back to you within 48 hours, no matter the question. I'm not trying to sell you anything here. It's literally ask me whatever question you have, and I will try my best to answer it to the best of my ability because I'm here to help and coaching is what I love to do. Now, if you are hearing me for the first time, I really appreciate you being here. Please do me a favor, leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you're on iTunes, please leave a review. I read them. They matter because now other people will get to hear this episode. If this was really helpful for you, share it with a friend. And above anything else, go do great things because you can.